Welcome, welcome, welcome to Into the Mind with Marlon Johnson. I'm your host, Marlon Johnson. And if this is your first time listening, what you are in for is a show where we take some of the highest level athletes I know, entrepreneurs and investors, and we dive deeply into the mindset that they had to cultivate in order to achieve the success that they have. So today, my guest is none other than one of my best homies, Tyler Pudabar. Tyler is actually a very interesting individual because he is such a high-end parkour athlete, but he's also such an entrepreneur. He's so business savvy. A lot of people don't know this by following his social media because all you see are the flashy skills, the competitions he's winning, the videos he's recording. But behind the scenes, Tyler is deep into business. In today's episode, we dive deeply into the mindset that needs to be cultivated in order to pivot and start new endeavors and really build for future We don't dive too deeply into Tyler's business today. However, I will be having Tyler back on for another episode where you will get to know more about what it is he is doing in the business space. For now, take a listen, learn a little bit more about Tyler, and I will catch you on the back end. All right. So, Tyler, what is up, bro? We got the video recording For those of you that do not know, Tyler Pudabar is an absolute amazing human being, an insanely crazy good athlete. Like it is, it literally puts a smile on my face every single time I watch you move. I I genuinely get so much joy. And he is very savvy with business. Like he has a business mind. There's an entrepreneurial spirit and fire within you. And you and I always jump on the phone. You're one of the few people I talk to when I need to get inspiration and get new ideas. I pick up the phone, I give you a call and talking to you helps me progress in my own personal business. So that's why I'm excited to have you here today to be able to talk about mindset, to be able to talk about business, to be able to deep dive a couple of topics that we have and to let the people see you again. Wow. Thank you for the kind words and amazing introduction. I appreciate all that. And uh, I would say same to you. I enjoy all of our conversations and I hope this one's going to be extra interesting. Heck yeah. All right. So I do want to quickly, I'm going to start off with like kind of a neutral ground that everyone or not everyone knows, but our community of people know, which is parkour, right? So you are an insane athlete. You are like, dude, I, like, I literally like you do things and I'm like, how is that even possible? It doesn't make sense. But you do these crazy feats and you approach the movements with such confidence. I want to know what does it take for you to do the skills that you do? You know, like I'm sure when people watch your videos, they're like, okay, this guy just he just has to be a natural talent. Like everything he ever tries, it works out first try and that's it. Like he's a cheat code. I wish it was like that. Um, Yeah, I mean, to to address your your first point, I don't think that, like, like, thank you for the compliments that I'm amazing. But like, to me, I look at other athletes, I'm like, damn, I suck (laughs) in comparison. (laughs) But it's like, that's, I don't think it's wise to compare yourself to others. That's gonna be the mindset that you're stuck with. But, what it takes to get to that level is 
the same thing that I think everybody's always going to tell you, which is hard work, daily training, and you have to love it. If you don't love what you're doing, you're not going to get past daily effort because if you don't love it and you're trying to do something every day that you don't love, it's going to be extra difficult. So that's definitely factor number one. Factor number two is train smart. So for me, I'm a really tall fella. Um, so that means that in general, my joints uh, take a little bit more impact or like the just a little, little got to take care of my knees a little bit more, my ankles. I've run through a couple of different, I've torn two ligaments in both ankles, um, rehabbed that. I have flares of patella tendonitis in my left knee. So it's like my advice for younger athletes would be don't forget your warm up, your cool downs and, and when to stop. I think lately my biggest lesson is learning when to stop, right? Because there will be training sessions where you're going and you're like, oh, I feel so good. I just want to, just want to keep going. I want to get that move. I'm, I'm, I want to get this really bad, whether it be for the clip or the vid or just for your pride. And then you feel like a wiggle in your body, and you're like, whoa. And that's your body telling you, hold up, wait a sec. Are you sure you want to do this? And then you gotta develop a relationship with your body and being able to say, okay, was that a big sign or is that a little sign? And I can keep going, right? Because ultimately, there's nothing that's going to set you back more in training than an injury, even if you don't push as hard each day. But you like, like, for example, this is a great example, uh, Kira Kalesh, or not Kira, um, Kowalski, Christian Kowalski, um, right. he had like a two year long injury. And so let's pretend that injury didn't happen, but he trained less hard, but over a longer period of time. And I can't speak for him. I don't know him. But he wouldn't have lost a year's worth of training almost where he could have been slowly pushing it. Right. So there's really nothing that'll set you back more than not being able to train. So like, that's definitely, if you want to progress to be a top tier athlete, you need to take care of your body along the way and train your body to be a top tier athlete. Like something that I don't do and need to do more or like I do it more now that I'm aware of it, but like, uh, I got to the skill level pretty quickly where my mind was able to do things that my body wasn't. I was doing jumps that were bigger than the, the load was larger than my body was able to take. And I realized this because I started getting more injured. And I was like, why is this happening? And then I realized that I needed to get stronger. So I started doing more calisthenics, more prop understanding biomechanics a little bit also really helps. So proper squat technique, loading from your like understanding the difference between quad loading and glute hamstring loading on your landings and your jumps is a really big thing anybody who has knee problems is most likely quad loading their jumps right so doing exercises that focus on glute hamstring activation uh can really counterbalance those overdeveloped quads and, and yeah I'll, I'll leave it at that <laughs> but you know what i'm so happy to hear you say that because i don't think a lot of younger folks, and just because we're talking about parkour, a lot of them that watch you and a lot of people that watch you, I don't think they think that you think about this stuff, that other mm. athletes at a higher caliber think about this because it's important. I know personally, I went through the same sort of mindset, the same sort of experience, and this came to the same understanding. And all I wished was someone had said this to me earlier to recognize, okay, I need to be aware of my body. Like that, what you said, that awareness, feeling that little wiggle in your body. So many athletes feel that, 
But with that younger mindset they don't listen to that experience, they think, oh, that's just me punking out. That's just me being weak. I need to push through that. It's like, no, no, no. You and your body are on the same team. You guys are teammates. Your body is communicating to you. Hey, buddy, right now, like, I'm not ready to do this. I know you're ready to do it, but I need a little break. Can you give me some time to rest? And then we can come back later. So it's not saying no forever. It's saying no for right now and recognizing that maybe no right now is going to be that yes tomorrow that lets you get there instead of having, like you said, a year or two year long injury that takes you out of the game entirely. Because we know Mm -hmm. once you start losing momentum, that's a hard thing. You want momentum. Momentum being on your side is key to success. Yeah. Be able to ride that wave. That is so good. Yeah. And training and social media and business and everywhere. That's true. So. Right. Absolutely. Yep. I got a question for you, because uh, just in the way that you're you're talking, I can tell that you already subscribed to this idea, but I want to talk about it a I little can. bit more, because it's something that I've been aware of since a, lot, a younger age, but the idea that you are not your body, um, <laughs> and that you, it's like, we're going to get into some, a little, a little harder conversation, but um, Bruce Lipton is a really good example to someone who talks about the idea of the you. And then there's your body and the analogy that he uses is that um, for those who aren't familiar with Bruce Lipton is that your body is like the television set. Like think of those old school boxy televisions and you are the signal being broadcasted to the television. So it's like you can open up the back of the television and mess with it, but it's not going to change the signal. Right. So what do you think of the concept that you are not your body, but you have a relationship with it? I absolutely love where this conversation is going, by the way. And yeah, I completely agree. And it's something that I'm very adamant about letting people understand. I don't care what age you are. I think a lot of people don't give it the respect, that concept that you aren't your body. They don't give it a lot of thought and really appreciate what it means to separate yourself from your body. And when they do begin to make that separation and make that distinction, they start to grow, I find. At least in my personal experience, when people have begun to recognize this, their thinking and their doing becomes on a larger scale. It just, it grows. Um, So yeah, I don't believe that we are our bodies. You know, even if you just listen to the language, my body, my arm, my leg, my head, my mouth, my back hurts, my knee hurts, my body feels great today. Who's the my that all this stuff belongs to, you know? So Mm -hmm. there's something that's ultimately manipulating or controlling. So I love that analogy of you being the television set and your yourself is the broadcast. So your body is the television set. You are the broadcast coming in. When we recognize this, it allows us personally, I know for myself, it allows me to disassociate from the, emotional things that sometimes bog me down and also it allows me to disassociate from the emotional highs that I get and I'm able to come at things from a different perspective and be a little bit more intentional about my life and my doing because I can recognize the separation from what's happening and the experience of it so I am not the thing that's happening I'm just the thing witnessing the thing that's happening 
interesting that kind of take it takes it in a further off direction um to like another degree of separation i don't actually see it quite that far away as or at least how i was maybe interpreting what you were saying of the actual experience i think that you are the one having the experience and your body is in the physical having the experience but um i did want to say i think that in the same way that your body listens to your commands it's important to be aware and listen to your body's commands as far as like on a very physical level of I'm sore, I need to rest or um, paying attention, being a little bit more conscious of even what you eat and how that makes you feel. And that's like a whole nother kettle of beans of how nutrition, the gut, the brain all play a large factor in both your emotional state your uh, and your physical state. No, Absolutely. And yeah, no, I definitely agree with you. Just being able to listen and have that communication with the body, recognizing that your body is talking to you, that it's a relationship that you have with it and being respectful and communicating with it and not ignoring it and understanding it. And I think it's useful to have someone like you saying that because people can view you, people do view you as a high level athlete. You are a high level athlete. So it's a lot more credible for them to hear like, oh, wow. This guy who does amazing things with his body is explaining that he's able to do this because he, in fact, does have a communication established, like a line of communication established to his body. He's listening. And when it says no, he says, okay. And sometimes when it says no, he says, hey, I'm in charge. I say we're doing this. But it's a conscious decision. <laughs> like in competition. That's a really yeah. good example. Sometimes you just got to do it because the stakes are too high. And a lot of the times, actually, this is, I don't think I've ever said this before, but um, you can ask your body questions and it will respond. Um, there are different methods that you can do to start to understand that response. Um, but before competition, I'll actually literally ask my body if it's ready to do what we're about to do. Most of the time it says yes. That feeling is the equivalent of a gut feeling. And you start to kind of master your gut feeling or you can kind of ask the more, the more you communicate with your body, the more you start to understand its feedback. And so, yeah, whether or not that has any play or bounds on the outcome is to be determined. But for me, it's something that works and uh, is, is just another kind of interesting thing. So, you know what, let's actually, let's keep taking it here because I like where this conversation is going and, you know, I do the, these episodes to be able to talk about business and to talk about different things, but I think this falls perfectly in line with business and with life. So I want it to keep going in the sense that, you know, you taking a moment to check in with your body and actually say, Hey, like, how are you feeling? Can we do this? Like actually, whether it's internally or you verbally saying it out loud, you are having that conversation and then your body either gives you the yes or no. This is something I find is so important because the body is going to start to speak, right? You know, it's going to, you're going to get those butterflies in your sometimes you're going to get these feelings. And if you don't know how to communicate, if you're not used to talking to your body, you might be misinterpreting what it's saying. It can be communicating to you a little bit louder today on the day of competition. And you might be taking it as your body saying, oh my God, oh my God, we can't do this. But instead your body might just be saying, hey, I'm really excited. Like we're about to do something unknown. Yeah, we've never- excited, Excitement versus nervousness. Yeah, right. Exactly. No, physiologically, they look very, very similar. 
but it's a very thin line. And yep. if you're on one side, it's a totally different message coming through versus being on the opposite side where that's your body saying, hey, we're actually not ready for this. Hit the brakes, don't go. Versus, no, like, we're ready for this. We just don't know what's going to happen. Big difference. Yeah, I actually struggled with that uh, for a majority of my life. When I was younger, I would have severe, uh, I didn't find out till I was older, the label for it was anxiety, but I didn't label it like that until I found out from other people that that's what the label was. I just know that I would, right before a really exciting adventure or something would happen or um, traveling or something, right, that I would like start to shake and shiver and be like oh my god oh my god like hella stage fright type vibes and your stomach gets all rumbly and then I would vomit and this happened like every night for like a couple of months until eventually I started to understand like breathing techniques and ways to deal with that um and then eventually and then there is some degree of uh, the difference between oh wait asking the question am I excited or am I nervous? And then not being in judgment of yourself as well for the answer. Like if you are nervous, that there's nothing wrong with that. It's still just an experience. So being able to not have judgment of yourself is also a pretty key factor when we're talking about all of this and being able to be okay with the answers and, and just kind of flow with it. Be very neutral, I think is a really important thing. Um, in a lot of different ways that the idea of neutrality, um, especially like is a really good example, shout out Nico Powell for uh, giving me this lesson. But um, one thing about the body is uh, the importance of a neutral point of view of how, when you get injured, if you are really frustrated and be like, first of all, I've started to stop labeling things as pain and started to label them as feedback because all experience is feedback from your body so if it's a negative experience then it's going to be harder to change than if it was a neutral experience if you have no point of view around it right the negative is really intense you want it to change right so it's going to be it's going to have some resistance now let's say you have something about your body that you really like or let's say maybe you have a habit that you're trying to change but there's a part of you that really likes it or maybe it's a movement pattern that you're stuck in that you've labeled as positive, well, that can be just, if not more detrimental because you don't wanna change things that you like, right? So if you're seeking change, then having that neutral uh, state of being is very crucial. It's insane. Like, I'm so happy to hear you say this because, you know, right now we're referencing a lot to movement and to parkour. And I'm sure I know from just talking to you, these are the things that we also apply in our business and in the rest of our lives. We learn these lessons in parkour. So parkour was this vehicle or still is this vehicle that teaches us these lessons. However, the lessons don't belong to parkour. So I actually have a question for you because I find this happens a lot with a lot of the athletes in our sport. Um, and a lot of people in our community, parkour might be the only thing they know so far in their life that has taught them these lessons. So what ends up happening is they put parkour in this pedestal and they walk around, you know, they're constantly telling people like, parkour is the best sport in the world. It's, it's the way. Basketball. It's the only way possible. And 
you know, from people that have had multiple passions or hobbies and have seen and experienced the same lessons from different sources or even new lessons that parkour yet hasn't taught them, but still has the capability to teach them. You're able to kind of step outside of your own bubble, your own realm and step into a new bubble. So what do you say for people that still potentially have parkour on this pedestal? Are you in the boat of believing that it's possible to obtain these lessons elsewhere or is it truly just belonging to parkour? Um, I think parkour is an excellent vehicle. I think it's the a much like in, when you compare it to other sports, I think a lot of it is situation based. It depends on who your coach is. It depends on who your mentors are and how they convey what they think your sport is. So like I could totally see me having a different opinion on how parkour is because of who my coaches were. So again, shout out Nico and Joey Adrian. Um, they had great perspectives and Joey then learned things from Adam Dunlap, who uh, has made lots of mistakes in the parkour community, but ultimately his philosophy um, did come from David and the the level of perseverance, I would say, is the main lesson that got kind of conveyed from that and like this idea of strength and the ability to overcome and I think uh, certain things you're going to learn in parkour more than in other sports like if you compare it to team sports because parkour has radical self-reliance in most cases it's not like a gymnastics team where you have your coach who's giving you everything that you're required to learn and if you don't do it you're bad Parkour requires you to gain the inner strength to do what you want to do because no one's there's no greater goal to do it other than you want to. So I think the biggest lesson from parkour is that radical self-reliance and slash um, kind of critical thinking of your own progressive behavior. Uh, I, I, I've done gymnastics. I've done skiing, basketball, soccer. Um, I didn't really get those that 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 ability to understand how failure interacts with learning and how my own progression and my own um, uh, mentality around uh, progress kind of fits in and tell parkour. And then I think the other thing uh, is you don't know what you're capable of until you push past your own limitations. So I can tell you right now, shout out Daniel Trong for creating something called hell night right and this gave me a large confidence boost to be able to say okay i can actually do way more than i thought i did and this also takes on a david goggins concept of you when the tank is empty and your body's telling you to stop you actually have probably around 40 percent more to give but it feels like you're going to give up and it feels like your body's on fire and so long story short hell night was a night where after work at like 10 p.m. we'd all go into the park as a group of like three to ten of us depending on the night and we would work out in this ridiculous training circuit method that's so it would take me like 20 minutes just to explain all the different things we had to do but it was so physically it was the most physically strenuous every muscle in my body cramped at one point in time before we were done like I wanted to give up on lap one and there were three laps. Like it was just ridiculous. So I think putting yourself in situations that are extraordinarily difficult makes you understand what you're capable of. 
And I think it's important to kind of check yourself every once in a while and redo something that's really freaking hard because it'll show you you're like, okay, that's right. That's what I'm capable of. I can, and since I was able to do this crazy, it was literally like the military level of boot camp style training. Um, and so it, it's just a really good check in because that translates to other things like, okay, well, if I can do this with my body, then I can commit to doing this with my mind. Right. And whether it be like, I'm not a big reader, but like going through a, like committing to a book or something. And that kind of leads me down another path of the struggle of self-commitment. And I think that is like, ultimately for me, one of my biggest struggles is making a commitment to myself and then follow through. Right. I think that's kind of like the lesson of my twenties almost is, is follow through and that, uh, it, it's very similar with building confidence in a jump. When you say you're going to do it and you go three, two, one, go, and then you balk and you don't go that slow, think of it like a health bar that slowly goes down every time you balk and don't go. But then when, when you go three, two, one, go, and you go and you succeed, that builds the confidence, right? So the same thing applies with discipline. And uh, like, if you tell yourself you're going to do something and then you don't do it, I'm literally talking and like thinking of things that I need to do right now that I, I said I was it. going to do. So it's, it's just one of those things that the more I do that and I say, okay, I'm going to do that. I set my deadline and I accomplish it. The better at that, like time management, all those things are skills that need development. Like you're not just naturally good at them. And so developing that and then not being in judgment of yourself for not having them developed is really key because that's that's what can get in the way of starting dude first off thank you thank you thank you thank you because everything you said i completely agree with i want more people to understand it and i think you and i both know that you only like you're not born with this knowledge innately these are things that have to be taught and unfortunately, a lot of people in our lives, they may not know this, so they don't teach it. So it's not that they don't care. They just don't know enough to teach. But luckily, you and I, we pick up books. We follow mentors. We work on ourselves constantly. You know, I see you. You work on yourself all the time. And that allows you to find these new discoveries and have you have these sort of conversations. And like what just happened, I'm so happy it happened as we were talking, as you were just naturally going, your brain was like, oh, shoot, like I just... Oh, I need to be doing this next. And I need, and that's what happens. This is a very real organic conversation. This isn't pre-planned, pre-mapped. This is what it looks like to progress. As you start having these sort of conversations, your brain starts to go to work on the answers. You mentioned David Goggins, who I absolutely love. Actually, you were there today. We saw him in the city, which was insane. Wild. I, I should have ran after him. Right? Hey, I mean, the energy, like the whole energy shifted. It was like, whoa, what's everybody was like, let's do push-ups. Yeah. And but you know, David Goggins speaks about that, you know, like that putting yourself in an uncomfortable position every single day because nothing great comes from your comfort zone. And we see that with training, you know, parkour gives us that ability to put us there physically every single day. And we're both entrepreneurs. We see that in our business, you know, right before we got on this call we were just talking about the fact that at no point in time do you ever be an entrepreneur and you get to the place where you're like you've got it all figured out because you're always constantly on the edge of what you're capable of doing so you're always in this place of 
I don't know what's next because I've never been here before. So although, yeah, I may have figured out yesterday's problems and I solved that stuff and I have systems and all that stuff is good. That's not, I'm not trying to stay there anymore. I'm constantly growing. So I'm always standing in front of a new unknown. And it's like, well, crap, like I'm always in this position of, I don't know yet what to do. But like you said, when you're at that place of being empty, you're really, you got like 40% more left in the gas tank. And if you don't practice tapping into that, first off, if you're not even aware that you have that, you stop at that first wall. You think that first wall is, is yep. that you can't get over it because you've never gone through it. It's like the runner's high. If you get really tired and you're like, all right, I got to stop running. And everyone else is like, no, you have to keep running. And trust me, like, if you keep running, I guarantee you it will get easier. And in your mind, like, how could it possibly get easier? Like, I am done. Like, I am gassed. It is all gone. But then lo and behold, you keep running. <laughs> And yeah, that's, that's, it gets you, it's like what the <laughs> hell is happening <laughs> that's really funny that particular example doesn't like i'm i'm not a long distance runner i tried to do that and run past it started to get there and then the moment i stopped running i vomited because i didn't understand <laughs> running techniques because i like immediately when i stopped i like bent over which is the opposite Ooh, of what you're supposed yeah. to do yeah. and then i was like yeah, yeah, yeah you're supposed to like now i know you're supposed to like keep your hands up and like stay tall, drink water, like little sips of water. I was like, I'm dying. I'm going <laughs> to, and then like vomited everywhere. I was like, Oh my gosh, I'm never long distance running again. So it's like, I just need to, but then my friend who's a long distance runner is like, no, no, no. You just got to learn the techniques to how to rehab your body at the end of your run. And I was like, okay, this makes sense. Now I should probably try again. Yeah. Prime example right there of like, all right, like being taught and like success is, not something innate it is something that is taught like it's just different habits different techniques that's the difference between successful people and unsuccessful people a lot of the times it's they were just taught mm. how to do things a different way it's not that you're not capable no one ever taught you that's all it's like if i was born in spain i would speak spanish but i wasn't born there so no one ever taught it to me so it's not that i'm not capable of learning the language i was never taught that particular language so the same thing comes with these other principles, being disciplined. Like I was so happy just now to hear you say that discipline is actually a skill you work at that when you do a thing. Oh yeah, I suck at that skill. <laughs> <laughs> I like to think I'm good at it, but ugh, sometimes. But you recognize the fact that you, it's kind of like what we we're talking about with our bodies before. You recognize that it is a skill, so that it's a differentiation. And then because you're acknowledging it, you now have the awareness of it. And if you have the awareness of it, you can now modify it. But if you don't even have yeah. the awareness, it's hard. It's like trying to play a game that you don't know the rules to. Once you know the rules, it gets a little bit easier to win. If you know what the buttons on the controller do, it gets a little bit easier to be intentional about the combos you're trying to make. Yeah, I think that really plays into the idea of what's the difference between successful people and unsuccessful people in general, most of the time from my experience of meeting them and being talking with them, successful people are one very self-critical or, but not in a judgmental way. It's more like self-awareness, I suppose is the better way to put it. Um, so being radically self-aware, non-judgmental at the same time. So that way you have an easier time. Like once you become self-aware of maybe an issue, um, instead of going, that's bad, again, we already talked about how labeling things like that lock them in place, right? 
So if you can be in a state of just awareness and then change and then willingness to change, then you can start to get over these things much quicker than normal people usually do. You don't have to go through those quote five steps of grief. It's or all that kind of stuff. It's just uh, self-awareness, seeing that problem, non-judgment, fixing the problem. Or in this case, like with discipline, like I understand, I've, I get discipline as far as physical, like no problem every day. But this discipline that I struggle with is like writing down my, like, like diet is really a struggle especially lately like making sure i don't have dairy or gluten for me just i noticed that that uh, i'm not necessarily literally lactose intolerant but i know that it slows my body down i don't like the way i feel as much on it um same thing with like little it's the little decisions that are a lot harder to stay disciplined on especially for myself like whether i want to read like make a commitment to read every day and then follow through on that or morning workouts, right? Those little ones, I think, are where I think, or, or where I'm still learning. Or, uh, and hopefully after today's com conversation, it'll really light the fire to commit to that. But uh, I'm, I'm aware that that's a, a, a part of me that I want to get better at. Dude, so I'm actually happy you said that because I have sitting right here in front of me, this is no joke, couldn't have planned this. I actually each day have a journal that I fill out and it basically schedules out my entire day. So it's like just, I schedule out my entire day, my morning through night. I get yep. really intentional about what I'm doing. I don't overload the schedule. I don't get like, cause I've made this mistake before in the past where we get super, it's like the new year's, uh, new year's excitement, new year's new me. Oh, I'm super excited. I'm going to work out every day. I'm doing 500 pushups every five o'clock in the morning. I'm going to run 10 miles at night after work. And the first day comes January 1st. I do it because I'm feeling so hyped. And then even January 2nd, I do it. I'm feeling so hyped. January 3rd, hell yeah, I'm still feeling hyped. But the 4th, it's a rainy night. It's a little cold. Work was <laughs> it's hard. real cold. Yeah, I, exactly. like, I fall off. So it's like I created this massive uh, discipline that I have to stick by that now like when I ultimately fail on day four, I feel completely destroyed by it and then I don't even pick it back up versus starting with these small little incremental pieces, like just starting with one habit, like, all right, you know what, I'm just, I'm going to read 15 minutes a day. That's it. Everything mm -hmm. else about my life can change or stay the same or whatever. But the only thing that I'm going to force as a discipline is this little block that no matter what, I at least get these 15 minutes of reading in a day. And then what happens is eventually, this no longer becomes a discipline, this becomes a habit. Once that happens, yeah, absolutely. I'm golden. I don't like for someone that smokes a pack of cigarettes a day, how much effort does it take for them to smoke that cigarette? It takes no effort at all. It became a habit for the people that wake up at 6am in the morning and they go running and they've been doing this for the last 12 years. How much discipline does it take at this point? It doesn't take much. It's a habit. Yeah. Your body gets addicted to both of those too. <laughs> exactly. But um, I think what you touched on as far as the planning your day out is actually when people ask me like any words of advice for just like anything, my usual go-to is write your day out the day before as if, and there's a, there's a, um, a sentence that you want to have in mind or a, a topic um, for when you're writing your day out, which is um, essentially assuming I have to, like when you're writing your day out, have this in mind assuming I have to get all the things I need to get done tomorrow done, 
what would make tomorrow the best day ever? And then you write your list with that in mind. So you still have to get your shit done, but maybe what's the ideal or another way to phrase it, what's the ideal day, right? For tomorrow. And then when you plant the seed the night before of that and you plan your day out the night before, and then again, it goes back to this really non-judgmental. You leave room because you don't want to be frustrated if you didn't get to something, right? So um, there are other strategies to this whole like planning um, that can help too. Another really good one that I heard out of, from somewhere, somewhere, a, another podcast somewhere is that if you plan the majority of your week's things in the first part of your week, then it gives you room for if you don't complete something to put it in the later part of your week, right? So overload the first couple of days so that if you don't get to it, you have the other couple of days. And if you do get to it, freaking awesome. And now you have a free day, right? So it's another strategy that you can use. But if you use that premise, it really is going to start to boost that long-term serotonin growth of what we were talking about earlier about starting a habit and then commitment and it, it builds that momentum. I absolutely love that. And I appreciate hearing you say that because that's something, this might seem really silly, right? I used to create early on when I first started doing to-do lists and I live by to-do lists, everybody. So do they make you way more productive? It is, I absolutely love it. When I used to make my to-do list, I would put the least important items first and the more important items later on in the day with the mindset hmm. that hmm, like I'm kind of like almost like warming myself up to do that thing. And then what I would find is there would be days where the most important thing didn't get completed. It wasn't finished because it was at the end of the day, I'd already tired myself out. And then I had thought like, well, why am I like kind of putting it? It's like saving the best bite for last. Like, well, why don't I just take it first? And I know that I had that bite. So I know I got the most important thing done first. And then all the minor things kind of get done. Like the things that don't necessarily need to be done. If they get done, great. If they don't get done, it's not all that important because the big needle mover, the thing that shifted the needle this much rather than just giving it like that little incremental push, this was, mm -hmm. so I got 80% of productive work done. Why would I not task that and put it in the front of the list? And that made a major shift in the way I think. So like you said, like kind of front loading the week, I front load my days with what absolutely needs to be done. And for you guys, like the journal I just held up, this is, it's called a high performance planner. It's by Brandon Burchard. And I absolutely highly recommend it because Tyler, like the question you were just saying, how you kind of ask yourself, um, like what would make today like a success? Like if yeah, I, the ideal day, right. The ideal day, this is actually something in this journal that you have to fill out each day. It's your morning mindset as you, you know, you plan out your day the night before, then in the morning you wake up, take a couple minutes to go through the morning mindset. And question number 10 is I would know today was a great success. If at the end of the day I did mm. said or felt this. So it lets you know what is it that's actually going to make the day successful. And now mm -hmm. since I've already thought about it, I can now prioritize it to make sure that gets done because yeah, cleaning my room may be nice and makes me feel a little good. But if I knew I had to pick up the phone and call my bank and I didn't do that, then I still have this big thing looming over my head 
although I'm sitting in a clean room, I didn't take care of the important task yet. Yeah, absolutely. I would also encourage people to get a whiteboard or a mirror and some pens, some like dry erase pens. Oh, wow, there's a spider hanging from my ceiling. Um, <laughs> and just whether you can either like throw it up in your room and it's a great thing for just jotting down random ideas, drawing on it if you're more of an artistic person, uh, leaving yourself notes, reminders, uh, and then or just planning out your day. Like I have mine situated so that it's a, like straight across from my bed. So when I turn the lights on, and I, it's the first thing I see when I wake up. So usually I'll write my, my to-do list on my whiteboard so that it's the first thing I see when I wake up. Um, and then I also have a like section on the whiteboard for like random ideas that will be success for just like brainstorm random business ideas or just like things that might come in handy later. Uh, or I just also have like a separate journal for that as well. But journaling is another thing that I took for I didn't really take it for granted. I just didn't think it was a useful tool for like until I turned like 19 and started doing it. And I was like, oh, wow, this helps a lot. (laughs) Damn. (laughs) And whether it be journaling and just planning out your day, that's a type of journaling. Or if you're someone who has a lot of emotional strife in their life or struggle, um, journaling is a really, really useful tool to take that some of that internal stress and put it on a piece of paper and you'll find that it will relieve some of the internal stress to put it on. Like it literally pulls some of it out and it puts it on the paper. I at least find for myself. Absolutely. I completely agree. And I think that's good advice. So anyone that's listening, really taking the first step of journaling, it's important. And even if you don't journal, it could be, you know, you taking your cell phone out and going on Instagram live and like talking it out or, you making music on one public way to do it. (laughs) I mean, it's definitely a public way to do it. Ultimately, you know, the reason journaling works so well is you're taking in stuff all the time. You're taking in ideas, you're taking in information from your environment, experience, emotion, all that good stuff. And it's coming into your system. It's being digested into you. And then you're using it like it's turning into something and it needs to be expressed. It needs to come out. And if you don't find an outlet for it, it starts to block. It's like a dam. And a dam could be good to build up pressure for certain things, but ultimately there needs to be some sort of pressure relief valve. Everything in life is built with a pressure relief valve. One of my favorite analogies is think about the hot water heater in your home. That hot water heater produces the hot waters that we all take showers with. So we all like warm showers. Downstairs in our basement, there's this thing that's just bubbling up water for us all the time. And it can get as hot as, as 400 degrees inside there. So a lot of pressure gets built up in this thing. These hot water heaters can last anywhere from 15 to 20 years. However, every hot water heater, if you look at it, it has something called a pressure relief valve. And that releases the pressure, the internal pressure that's building up on the inside. Now, if that pressure relief valve doesn't work, that hot water heater is going to blow up in less than a week. Something that's capable of lasting 15 to 20 years will self-destruct within a week if it doesn't find a way to release the pressure that's building internally. Mm. We are absolutely the same way. If we don't figure out a way to release what's building up in us, then it will ultimately destroy us. It'll blow us up from the inside. So journaling, 
it's a very non-public, it's a very private way to release some of this. But also if you hop on Instagram or if you talk to a friend or if you have people that you could communicate, but ultimately you need to find a way. And it's not even like you're having stressful negative thoughts. It could also be the great things. It could be everything that comes in. You need to ultimately find a way to put it back out and complete the loop. Because if the loop doesn't get completed, if it gets blocked here and more keeps coming, it's just going to keep backing up and eventually the pipes back up and explode. So that's really cool to hear you say that you journal and to let people know that before we dive deeper into this, I actually want to switch gears a little bit and take the conversation over to something else as far as networking. Um, you know, cause Ooh. right now we're before we get to networking, I have Ooh, one more okay. thing on this kind of topic that I wanted to get to. You got it. And it actually came from TikTok, which made me laugh super hard. Um, cause all my TikTok is filled with like business stuff or like all that. The algorithms got me good, but this guy, <laughs> And, and it, 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 I knew this from like, just because of self-discovery, but I'd never put it into words so elegantly in the way that this TikTok did. <laughs> and essentially what he said was that you judge you based on your thoughts and that your image of yourself is who you think you are. Others judge you based on your actions, right? And problems with yourself arise when you compare your who you think you are to who others perceive your actions as so a lot of reconciliation reconciliation can happen from starting to like if if you think one way or like you're a positive person but you're not actively acting that then you're going to get discrepancies from the way others see you as to the way you see yourself and that won't do you service so if you want to make all these changes but they're all up here it's really important to be proactive in making sure that your actions are coincide with your thoughts in that situation and going in the positive direction. I absolutely love that. And just so I have a clear understanding, cause I really like that. You're saying that in our minds, we are capable of thinking one way. So we think we are who we are, right? And our actions, the rest of the world is judging us based on our actions. So our actions is how they're judging us. And they say, well, you act a certain way. So this is who you really are. And when those exactly. don't mesh, it causes ourselves. Struggle, strife. Yeah. Which mm -hmm. I completely agree. And it's so funny that you say that because I don't know why the thought came to me the other night, but it did where... And I think it's because I've been getting a little bit more public with social media, with just announcing to the world what I'm doing all the time and just not really being afraid to let them know, even when I'm starting something brand new and I'm in a brand new space. So I'm a newbie again to just let them know, Hey, this is who I am. This is what I do because I want the thoughts of how I see myself and the actions that I put out to be one and the same. So that way I view myself as a businessman, an entrepreneur, an investor, a person that's genuinely trying to make the world a better place. So I need my actions to also speak my thoughts. And when those two don't, I agree with you, when they don't say the same thing, when they're not married, then it makes things a lot harder. You find that you're misunderstood way more often. A lot of miscommunication happens way more often, and you don't quite get what you want out of situations. And you can't quite figure out why things aren't working out and that's yeah spot on 
I think a really great word for this that kind of sums it up is congruency. You need to make sure that your thoughts and your actions are congruent with one another. If you don't know that word, look it up. <laughs> oh no, dude! Like I, I'm, just, I'm happy. <laughs> Not you. I'm just saying that. It's so funny because in my mind, I was thinking like they're definitely people that are going to be watching this. That that's going to be the first time they heard that word, and they're just <laughs> going to associate this conversation to it. And I'm so stoked about that. So that's super rad. But so, um, yep. You want networking? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Yep. Okay. Perfect. That's exactly where I was going to take it. So now with this idea of networking, because now we're talking about you know, we just spent the first about 40 minutes there talking about building a mindset, right? And we now also spoke about how you can build up this great foundation of a mindset in your head. However, if your actions don't convey what's happening there, then all the people that you are connecting with, that you're going out to meet, that you're going out to work with, that you want to build, they're not going to see it. With, they're not going to see it. And if they don't see it and you guys can't communicate this, you're you're shooting yourself in the foot. And personally, I've been finding like my recent discoveries have been networking is one of the most powerful things out there. You know, like working on yourself is crazy important and I believe it should be done every single day. And I also now believe networking is something that should be done every single day, intentional networking. For the first, you know, 20 odd years of my life, I went out and I networked just randomly. I just went out and made friends and just talked to whoever. And there was no real intention with the relationships I was creating. It was just meeting people and creating relationships. Now that I'm a little bit older and I have a mission and I'm thinking about where I want to go and where I want to be, I have this mental foundation I built and I'm thinking who can help build a structure on this. The networking aspect of my life has gotten way more intentional. So what are your views on networking? And I think I already know them, but I want other people to hear. Yeah, of course. Um, I love networking. It's phenomenal. It is, for those who don't know what we mean when we say networking, networking is just the active communication with other people towards a common goal usually. So um, I found that I didn't, uh, there's really, networking becomes more useful as you said when you have a mission or a greater goal so if you have a company that's where networking becomes extra crucial or if you have uh there's a lot of for like going back to parkour people there's a lot of people who are getting into videography and networking is going to be your primary way to accrue clients right so uh and going into we'll, we'll, i want to talk about the energy of people in a second and how that kind of works but uh essentially there's no greater tool at your disposal than people right so uh, a really good example and this is for any people that are doing startups want to do startups or have any inclination of wanting to do their own thing is you don't know who's gonna be the guy to connect you to the guy that knows the guy that's going to make your dreams come true. Right. So having like a pitch deck and understanding what a pitch deck is, what's a quality one. Um, shout out slide bean YouTube channel. Check it out. If you want to understand pitch decks, that's their whole thing. Slide bean. Look it up. It's a good one. It's where I started to learn from. Um, and so basically I was, I was talking to a friend the other day and I was like, um, 
if you have like three elevator pitches ready to go at any point in time, you could walk into someone, share a wonderful idea with them out of the fruition of your heart. And don't try to keep your idea, like understand your intellectual property. Like there's a time and a place. Don't just pitch everybody you meet. <laughs> right. But you don't know who's going to be the guy to be like, that's a really good idea. Let's do it. And then you're like, what? So I think getting started networking is great. Getting clients. Um, it's really important that if you are doing any type of sales or um, start with your current network, who's in your phone? Have you gone through everybody in your phone? And be like, hey, this is what I do now. Do you know anybody that could help me or that I could help? Right. If you're coming from the spot, this is classic Gary V. It's about providing value. How can you provide the most value to everybody that you meet? And that in turn creates this positive feedback loop where they, their impression of you is this guy creates a lot of value. I want him on my team, right? Let's say you're trying to be more of an entrepreneur, right? How can you provide value within your company? Um, so again, uh, going back to networking, uh, it's how can I provide the most value and prepare yourself for your opportunities? Cause you don't know who's going to make your dream come true. Man, you really couldn't have said it more perfectly right there. It, if you have a social media platform and you aren't letting the world know what you do in a non-annoying way, then you're not using that social media platform properly. Like if you run a business, if you do sales, if you are doing anything in that space and you're not just constantly letting people know the value that you can bring them, you're doing a disservice to yourself and you're also doing a disservice to them because ultimately you are providing a product. You're providing something that can solve somebody else's problem. And I almost view it, and this is something I've been taught. I view it selfishly. Now, if you don't share what you have to give, that's a disservice to the rest of the world. You just spoke about something which I want to touch on is sharing the idea. You know, you're not going around pitching any and everyone however you aren't afraid to share the ideas that are in your head and that are in your heart because you understand that when i put it out there it allows the world to grow from it someone else you have an abundance mindset you're not afraid and thinking mm, this is the only million dollar idea that ever existed because you also understand the reality of an idea is just an idea and if you don't do anything with it it's gonna it doesn't stay with you someone else is gonna have it Right. You know, like when you have an idea, guaranteed seven other people somewhere in the world have the exact same idea as you at the exact same moment. But not all seven of you or all eight of you in this case do anything with it. Only maybe two or three of you do something with it. And that's what's important. And now when you share it with people, you're allowing them to grow that into something bigger. You're allowing it to give more value to people. And that comes from that ability to network. So let me ask you, Tyler, when you network, do you go out of your way? Are there ever moments in time where you are extremely intentional about like, hey, I know the type of person I'm looking for, whether it be like the avatar of a person, the characteristics of a person. Are there times where you know the type of person you're looking for? And are there opposite times where you're like, I have no idea who I'm looking for, but I know I'm looking for someone? Um, it's a good question and a hard one to answer. I think that, um, I'm never going out with a particular person in mind, like I'm going to meet a millionaire because the odds are against you in that situation. Um, I think that, uh, this kind of answers it basically 
you attract what you are or what you be in the sense that like-minded folk and like energy folk when i say energy i mean like like you have your friend who's a positive peppy guy and he has that energy to him and then you've got your friend who's always down and frustrated and he has that energy to him so what you are you tend to attract right so if you are a pessimist you might attract more pessimists if you're an optimist you might so what i'm trying to say is basically you won't succeed too well if you're trying to find a specific person i find that a lot of my networking is completely coincidental and situational and serendipitous and that i just so happen to be in the right place at the right time um and mo pretty much everyone's going to have this response as far as they're like oh well did you go in like sometimes sometimes you like have your guy and like i'm gonna train under gary v and he's the guy and he's the one and i'm gonna do everything to get to him but it's like odds are you're probably not going to unless you like pay a lot of money to go to his convention or whatever that may be right so it's i find that uh most of the time i just happen to be in an interesting conversation with someone and they tell me what they do and the first thing my mind goes to especially if i understand the stature of that person like if they're a high level person in business and movement it doesn't matter is how can i provide value to this person because they're not going to want to talk to me unless I'm bringing value to them in some way, whether it be an interesting conversation or a way that I can legitimately help them or something along those lines. So like once I had a, my business started, it was a lot easier to provide value. And for those who don't know, I started a wellness company and I'm kind of like hitting myself in the head right now. Like, Oh, Marlon is so right. I need to be more adamant about social media and my business. Cause I don't, I don't talk about it at all because I've been, I have this judgment around myself that like I need to have a finished product before I promote it on my Instagram or my social. So that way uh, people can actually like start to support me. It's why I haven't done a lot of ads for uh, advertisers and other things like that, like brand deals. It's because I think people would rather support the business if they knew where the proceeds were going and that it was going to a good cause, things like that. Right. But at the same time, how many people are losing out, from not seeing the process, like how many people could could get value out of seeing me build a company and watching how I did it and the struggles I went through on a day. So it's like, damn, I need to do that. Um, <laughs> but at the same time, yeah, going back to that networking, uh, completely situational, and you'll find that a lot of the time the universe works in mysterious ways, and it'll if you are holding space for something to show up. It won't ever happen on your timeline, but oftentimes it will show up. Dude, I, you know what? So here's the thing. I, I agree with you that, you know, you attract who you are. And I think that's why, especially with your case, you meet the amazing people that you do meet. You know, you have like, we're not going to name any names, but you've met millionaires. You've met successful entrepreneurs and CEOs and guys and gals that, do really well for themselves as athletes, as businessmen and women, as marketeers, as whatever lane they choose, they find success. And if you look at yourself, you know, you are that in your own way, in your own lane, you are success. So you attract those other people of success. So I definitely agree that if you start to create yourself as that person, then you're going to attract more like, like attracts like. And I think 
that's something that people have to get intentional about. You have to get intentional about who do I want around me? Because I can tell you personally from my own experience, you know, I definitely like you have had the encounters where I'm like, wow, I couldn't have even had planned this if I tried. So it's like, this was purely coincidental. And if I had tried to make this happen, I would have completely fudged it up. It wouldn't have happened as perfectly as it did, but yeah. it did happen. And I'm also, I do also get intentional about like, well, I know I'm looking for a type of person. Like I believe in mentorship greatly. I know that I want to be a millionaire. So I'm, I'm a millionaire. I just, at this moment in time, don't have the millions in the bank account yet to show the rest of the world. But ultimately I know. But you can start adopting millionaire habits. Exactly. So I'm a millionaire because I'm a millionaire and in here. And with that being said, I got very intentional about putting it out into the universe that, Hey God, Hey universe, Hey world, bring me people that I want to be, bring them to me and let me go towards them. And what I've been finding now, these last, especially during COVID, it's been really weird of like COVID of all Dude, times. Yeah. I've been COVID like, has really getting, been interesting. Yeah. But like, I've been getting connected to these people, whereas like before I didn't have them and now I have them in my life. And I'm like, holy crap. Like, I'm not going to name a name, but one of my mentors, I was talking to him, telling him like, I'm going to come out and uh, like hang out in Arizona with him for a little bit. And I was like, yeah, just like want it to be a working kind of vacation. I want to come work and see how you're living and how you're doing things. If that's cool. He's like, yeah, but you know, to be honest, I, I kind of work on my yacht like throughout the week. And I was just like, um, yeah, that's, that's cool. there room for two. Yeah. Like, so it's funny, but like that was very intentional. I got really purposeful about thinking like, okay, wow. Like I meet all these amazing, nice people, but they aren't necessarily business minded and business savvy and successful in this space because I've been leaving it to chance and I've been attracting what I was, which was like, all right, like I dabbled in business, but I hadn't really locked down those principles of success in that area. So I wasn't finding it yet. So then I got intentional about, Hey, let me find that. Let me search that. Let me start to seek that in myself and seek it in others. And now my entire network has been like constantly changing. And I think you've seen it. Like you know me from the parkour community, but I really have as of late been, pulled away from that community. I'm still connected to it, still love it. That's why we're making these videos. But I've been tagging and jumping myself into this new community of people where I'm like, okay, this is who I want to meet. So I got very intentional about the networking and was like, I'm searching for a certain avatar. So I don't know what shape it's going to come in. I don't know if it's going to be a guy, a girl, transgender, man and woman, gay, lesbian. Like I don't know what it's coming in. And I personally don't care the package it comes in. I just know the characteristics and traits that I'm looking for. And I create that in myself first and then I actively go out into the day and search for it. Yeah, that's pretty interesting. You talked about um, a little bit at the end there how you have started to drift away. And I think that all parkour practitioners at some point in time have a dream where they want to make a living off parkour. And that dream gets crushed to tiny pieces when they realize there's not an industry and how economics works. Um, and so, please learn how. I said, wait, quick side note, guys. If you have no idea how economics works, you need to go and watch a video by Ray Dalio. Uh, watch principles and watch how economics work. It's literally like type those two things in on YouTube. He makes these amazing animated videos that break it down into such easy digestible language watch it 
10 times each. Seriously, like, I don't care if you're like, I'm not a business person. Please just go and watch it. Like, you will think differently. Please, 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 if you do even one thing from watching this video today, go watch that video. All right, sorry, Tyler, I did not mean to cut you off. No, you're good, you're good. Another good channel that I like to subscribe to is called Economics Explained. And they do really good case studies on different, everything from different governments, like how the US economy works, and they go like historical to current. They even do economics of like, they did how the economics of Apple works. They, they do companies like deep dives, so that's pretty cool. Um, but, uh, so yeah, there's a moment where, everybody realizes they're like, okay, I can't become a professional athlete in parkour. I have to develop some sort of other skill, whether that be the skill of media, where technically there are no, like, like there's an argument to be made that there is no such thing right now, right now as a true uh, pro athlete in parkour to be a pro athlete, meaning all your income comes from just doing the sport. Usually that means you have sponsors, right? what we do have is media stars right we have people that do brand deals which is kind of like the 2020 version of sponsorship um but essentially these people are making a living not off parkour but off the media and the views of parkour right very successful people um but at the same time that's still not a professional athlete um the other side that i see a lot of parkour people go into is filmmaking right because you got to make your parkour videos, you got to make them look sick, you got to learn how to edit, you got to learn how to film, and a lot of people can kind of dive into that. And then if you're in California, pretty much that's the only option I find, or you've got a great freaking agent, um, you can go into the stunt community, but I find that that's a lot harder to get into because it's much more about who you know and much less about how talented you are. As people every freaking day get passed up who are way more talented, but they didn't know the guy who was the director or whatever it was, right? You need a, re a positive reference in most cases to get into that community. But yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm so happy that, cause I agree with you. First off being a professional in parkour doesn't necessarily mean you just have to be a pro athlete. There's so many other avenues and it's important for kids to hear that or mm. people to hear that, especially coming from you who are, is such a high level athlete. And you just tapped into talking about individuals in Cali, you know, going into stunt work potentially. And it's not even necessarily that you need the skill to get into it. You need the connection. You need the network. You need somebody. You know how to fake fight. <laughs> in front of the right person. Yeah, like if you don't have that, you know, you can be the smartest person, but if no one's listening to you, how good are your ideas? If no one will hear you out, if you don't have the platform, the stage, the audience to present to, it's like doing the best show that no one ever saw. Mm. Like, yeah, yeah, it's great for you, but you didn't bring it to the world. Yeah, but I really relate to what you were saying about how you started to drift, but your heart is still in the parkour community. So, like, I'm kind of at a stage in the game right now where I realized that my passion for parkour has to do with two things, movement and progression, right? So the idea – so when you – have progress that creates a chemical reaction in your brain that's dopamine that's serotonin you're gonna feel happy that you you struggled through something and then you made an accomplishment right but that transcends parkour and especially relates into business because business there is no end there is no win you don't win business the game of business right 
we can get into game theory a little later, but um, essentially I've noticed that my motivation for training is still there. But once I had the realization of, oh, it's not a way that I can procure the life that I want for myself financially, I started to have a shift where it's fun and I love to do it more than anything else. And if I didn't have to put food on the table, then I would probably only do that. But I have found such amazing joy in progressing my business and doing things um, on the entrepreneurial side of things and having that kind of uh, same thing with parkour where you start and it's this whole new thing and you make a lot of progression really quick and then it kind of plateaus and then you, you get that next skill that kind of makes it just boom and then you get that momentum and then it kind of goes like this, right? And so... I'm having an internal debate right now on competition, on whether or not it's worth the risk of competing because if I injure myself, one, I can't train, two, um, if I get a serious injury, then that puts me at a life disadvantage and then was the injury worth it for three grand, right? Hell no, that doesn't even cover the medical bills. like. Like if the prize pool was like a million dollars, you'd see people doing way crazier shit. <laughs> but it, it, this 10 seconds, it's not quite worth, like I'm definitely gonna compete the next competition season and probably the few after that because it's in my blood and I love it and it's so much fun and it connects me with the global community and it's an opportunity to network as well. Of course, if anytime you're at a jam or a competition, you should be networking. Um, and so, uh, but but it's not worth it in my head based on the like the risk reward ratio isn't it's it's all for pride right and so if you don't care that much about pride and it's more about longevity um, then I've seen for me I get just as excited about making progress on my business um, but this the ways of a startup definitely go like this so there's highs and there's some mad lows so be careful if you just want to go right into being an entrepreneur yeah i mean i completely agree with you um but like especially like what you just said at the end with uh highs and lows and be careful about like guys like if you are not someone that's capable of persevering through like hard times and i mean like hard times don't be an entrepreneur go get a good job go get a nice be an entrepreneur yeah, go help someone else build their business, be a part of, be a leader in their place. You know, you can still then, be the Red yeah. Ranger just on another Red Rangers team, if that makes sense. You know, so it's join a team if you have to, because even being an entrepreneur, you do have to build a team, but that's the thing. You have to be the one that constructs and builds every aspect of this team and pulls the right people together. If that's not your skill set, if that's not something that sounds fun to you, then go and be on someone else's team. Go find, like, go play with Michael Jordan. Like, you don't need to be Jordan. Just go play on the team. Go be Scottie Pippen, you know? Um, right. But, yeah, you definitely, it's cool to hear you say that those are things you consider uh, as you look at what it is that even attracts you to parkour and, like, the things that, the underlying fundamentals that you enjoy. You enjoy movement and you enjoy progression. So recognizing that it allows you to think a little bit more critically about, well, what does this mean that I actually have to do? Because now I'm sure people are like, wait, what, Tyler, 
doesn't want to compete. It's like last year when I had the conversation with Joey, Joey Adrian, and he like kind of said like, yeah, I'm pretty much tired of competition. And everyone's like, wait, what do you, what do you mean you're tired of competition? You're Joey Adrian. And like you both. You're number one. Yeah. yeah. And like, you're both like, I mean, he was your coach, obviously. So it's, it's a clear correlation of why you guys move the way you move and how you guys compete at competitions and why you guys perform at such a high level. Um, but it blows people's mind to think that you would even consider like, Oh yeah. Like this competition is not worth it to me because you know, $3,000 payout doesn't cover the medical bill in case I get hurt. And if I get hurt, I can't play with my movement. Do what I love. And it also yeah. slows down my ability to feel progression. So ultimately this is what's more important to me. And this little, this tiny little paycheck over here just doesn't cut it. Now, if this were a $3 million payout for the competition, then I'm willing to put my body on the risk a little. It's a little bit easier to put my body on the risk for that. And exactly. I think something that a lot of uh, the people in our community, especially the community we come from, they still have a very negative relationship to money. Um, you know, money is the root of, all, root of all evil is still said at like jams when you're talking to the younger guys because they haven't had the sort of conversations. They haven't had role models in their life that had to show them like, hey, you know, like this jam that you're enjoying right now, it costs money. You know, that car that you drove over here to get to, I know your parents dropped you off, but it costs money. You know, the gym that you enjoy training at, it costs a lot of money. Like these things cost money. And there's a book, it's called The Science of Getting Rich by Wallace D. Waddles. And he actually goes as far as to say, no man can be truly happy unless he becomes rich. And it's not saying that you being rich means you can go and buy material things, but it's saying that you have provided for your base necessities so much so that you don't need to chase the dollar. Worry about them. Yeah. It allows you, it provides you the opportunity and the option to show up in your life in a different way. You can pursue your passions a little bit more genuinely without having to worry. And that I completely agree on. And I don't know how you feel about it, but I personally think when you, it's like showing up to work on your day off when you're not actually responsible for being there and it's not your class to run, you can hang out with your coworkers a little bit differently. You don't mind doing all the other things because you now get to show up from a place of, well, it's not, I, I'm able to give more. Like it's not being sucked from me. I'm able to just provide because I have so much more to give today. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely wild i have a couple of different things that are bouncing around that are like almost entirely unrelated but just <laughs> just like uh it's it's business related but um for any of the business owners entrepreneurs if they are listening it would be awesome but um another lesson that i learned being an entrepreneur and an entrepreneur is that you cannot this goes both ways you cannot expect your employees to work as hard as you because they don't they don't it's not their baby it's your baby um so now on the other end if you're working for someone and you find that you're trying harder than they are go work for someone else it's true i because you're going to be unhappy both ways yeah i completely agree with that and this is a funny side note um you know, recently I started uh, working, I wouldn't call it an official partnership. It's very unofficial, but it's, it's the beginning of an organic partnership that's growing. 
and he and I were having a conversation. He runs a very successful business out of state and you know, he's, he and I have been working together and he basically, we had a conversation where he said, Hey, look, I'm not looking to hire you because you're not that type of person. He, he and I communicate, we built a solid relationship. He's like, you're not that kind of person. You're not an employee because I would love to have you as an employee, but ultimately you're going to outgrow this position. You already want more. I see it. I view you as more like me. So I rather work with you as a partnership because although you don't have what I have yet, we're not on equal footing in business. Like you're here, I'm here. And we both clearly recognize that. And I'm like, yeah, that's obviously it's very clear. It's true. He's like, but mentally, like we're at the same place. So it doesn't make sense for me to try and bring you in as an employee because you're going to outgrow this very quickly. So why not let me work with you as a partner on equal footing now? And I know that later on you will be at a more established place. Hey, you might even be here. And then you would want to do the same with me and we can continue to work on this evil equal footing. And that's something that it's important for people to have that self-analysis for themselves and to work for somebody. If you're going to work for somebody, make sure that they see you the same way you see you. Because yeah. if they don't, if they don't value you and you value, if you value yourself more then the other person values you, if they don't at least value you on an equal level or greater, they're not the right person to work for long-term. You can be there temporarily if you have intentions about what you want from that position. But if you think that will be your final destination and you're going to stay there, and that's the beginning of the relationship where they don't value you as much as you value you, you will ultimately forever be unhappy and it will irk you. If you hate showing up to work, and like, I mean, like really, like it just like, it depresses you and gives you anxiety thinking about going to it. That might be the case that you're working somewhere where you feel underappreciated because you are underappreciated because the person that brought you in sees your value as stopping here. And you know that you're capable of being here and you might already be here, but they only want something or someone that goes here. So free up that position, give it to a 13 year old kid or a 16 year old kid who's still in high school and you need to go somewhere else and find that other position where you can work with somebody that's looking for the value you provide. Yeah. And I think it's also like important to say that like not everybody needs a tremendous amount of wealth to be happy. And I think it's really, really, really important to identify within yourself the difference between ha how much money it takes for you to be happy and how much money you desire in life to be feeling successful and how the relationship with those two things are. So like I went through this with my stepbrother the other day, just graduated high school. And it's a great question. This is something a mentor uh, went through with me. It's like a clarity workshop kind of thing. And he said, and I'll, I'll ask you these questions. We'll do it live for everybody. And you can give me your answers because I've never actually asked you these before. So the first question is, how much money does it take for you to be happy? It doesn't take money for me to be happy, but for me to live my life comfortably, and I guess that's part of happiness, I would say $5,000 a month. Perfect. That's like right around where I was saying. So like for me right now, I am broke AF. I live at home to minimize expenses, um, and I'm very gracious for my parents to allow me to do that, so that way I can put everything into a business. Um, I'm happy now. I have no money right? Um, now, the second question, 
which uh, is how much money do you desire? Oh. And, and, and yeah, yep. I'll start with that. I desire to have $5,000,373 in my bank account. That is after tax money that is liquid as hell that belongs entirely to me that like I could just pull on like, and that's not including my investments. That's just liquid asset, like liquid dollar bills that are just ready to go. Perfect. So now I'm, I'm, I'm right up there with you. I'm, I'm on the level of, of like upper, upper couple hundred million, but that's because of my greater goals. Like I think it's important to have to understand like what your greater goals are. Like for me, it'd be really cool to solve a lot of the problems uh, that I see in the world. Like for example, with that type of money, you could say, you know what? I just, I think I'm just going to replace all the lead pipes in the school district. You know what I mean? So yeah. be able to create like tangible change at scale, I think is where my greater goals lie and it kind of fuel my, my desire for accruing wealth is to provide the most amount of value possible to the most amount of people. That's, that's also, by the way, how you will accrue wealth <laughs> is by uh, providing the most amount of value to the most amount of people. But okay. So now that you say, okay, so let's say 5 million, right. in that liquidity. So now what are all the different ways? And I know you've already you've chosen the lane of real estate, which is a phenomenal lane. It's a very traditional way to accrue wealth. Um, but what are all the different creative ways that you can think of to get to that level, right? And then once you start like the path of questioning that, you will find the answers. So if you're someone who um, asked yourself those questions, then... Start, if you don't know the answer, ask someone, ask the wealthiest person, you know, right. How, how'd they do it? Right. And just start getting curious. Dude, I, I absolutely love that. And that like really that perfectly ties everything in together that wraps everything we talked about today. That really does wrap it all up, you know, getting intentional about what it is you want, how much of it you want, why you want it. And then start to ask your question ask yourself these questions and if your brain can't mentally figure it out on your own because it probably won't be able to in the beginning because it's brand spanking new you never did it yet you haven't done the thing yet so go find someone that is doing it that has done it and that's where the networking ties back in because odds are if you've never made a million dollars yet you probably don't even know who is a millionaire in your inner circle if you even have one in there because you haven't asked them the right questions yet but you weren't seeking now that you're seeking, you're going to start letting people know. You're going to start speaking out loud the thoughts that are going on in your head, the things that are bubbling up. You're going to start to express it. And one day you might just get on Instagram Live like an idiot and say like, hey, do I know any millionaires? And one of your friends might say, hey, my uncle's a millionaire. Cool. Can I talk to him? And then he's going to say, yeah, well, you know, like I only made $1 million, but actually this buddy of mine, he's actually still actively working and he's a multimillionaire. Let me connect you. And from there, that's how you just keep opening these random doors that eventually take you where you want to go. So Tyler, seriously, thank you for having this conversation with me. Thank you for having this conversation for everybody. Hopefully people got value out of this and that if you did receive value, you leave a comment. You know, if you're watching this on YouTube or Facebook or Instagram, you share it with somebody else because odds are if you found something valuable here today, somebody else 
is also going to find value in it. And just like we were saying, you have to share, help people. And that's where the value, give value by sharing this to them. And you're going to see how it grows you. And leave a comment. Let us know what you thought about this. You know, tell us what you want to hear more about. And yo, Tyler, for people that aren't following you, which I find crazy if they're not following you already, where can they find you and learn more about what you're doing? Um, right now I am on Instagram and YouTube as Tyler Peterbaugh seven on Instagram. And then just my full name, I'm probably going to do a rebrand. Haven't debated. What are your thoughts? Should I make my YouTube channel Tyler peanut butter? Oh, I love that. Tyler peanut butter. I feel like that's a lot easier to spell than Peterbaugh for a lot of people. Um, but Peterbaugh is actually also relatively easy, but, um, yeah, man, like, I think no matter what people are going to find you some way. (laughs) But yeah, basically uh, feel free to DM me on Instagram. Again, that's Tyler Peterboss seven. I'd be happy to answer any questions or if you just want to share with me your thoughts on the video, uh, I'll always send you guys love. So, um, and (laughs) yeah, definitely look forward to all the conversations for us in the future. Absolutely, man. I'm so happy that you came on and we're definitely going to have to do a part two. Um, because yeah, there's a couple of things that we didn't touch on that I, I think need to get touched on still. Oh yeah. Yeah. Like I'm just, I'm cutting today short only because I got to hop on a call in about eight minutes and I know you and I can deep dive some crazy <laughs> thoughts and crazy ideas, but I do want people to take this information in, digest on it use it guys utilize whatever you learned today if you were taking notes take notes next time like you jump onto a call with us people like take notes because what we're saying is stuff we live by we actively live each of the thoughts that we conversated today and apply them like the knowledge is great if you nodded your head for the last hour and a half awesome but don't let it stop there turn those head nods into a deeper more refined action start working on those disciplines that we talked about. And like Tyler just gave you his Instagram, reach out to him, network, say what's up. Maybe you two can work on something in the future. Yeah. Maybe I know someone who will make your dreams come true. <laughs> yeah. Or maybe you guys are going to be the one that helps Tyler make his dreams come true. Yeah. Maybe someone, someone come make my dreams. come true. <laughs> yeah. All right. Tyler, bro, Much love, brother, man. Absolutely. Love you, man. I can't wait to be back on the West coast and chilling. Yeah, definitely. Looking forward to seeing you again. All right, let's turn this recording off. Hey, I really hope you enjoyed this episode and that you were able to get some sort of value from it. If you found anything that was valuable, please go into the comments. Let us know what it was, what your key takeaway was. We look through the comments every day. We respond to all of them, and it lets us know what's working, what's resonating, and what we should talk more about. If you have found anything to be useful that you're able to apply to your life, go back and listen to it again because the second and third time you come around and listen to the information, what you find is the information doesn't change, but you change and new things are going to start to stand out to you. That's why we record these. That's why they're out there for you to come back to and listen. And finally, if you are 
finding value here. I need you. I need you to go out and share this with a friend. Send this to them. Let them know they need to listen. They need to take action and they need to change their life. Because if you want to grow, you're going to need your network to grow. You're going to need your inner circle to grow. Okay. So that's the best gift you can give somebody. Give them education that they can apply to their life and level themselves up. Keep learning and keep growing. I'll see you on the next episode.